0: I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is I'm the Guns Reboot Review, a podcast devoted to DC Comics' Legion of Superheroes, specifically the uh, version of the team that was on comic shelves from 1994 through 2004. The Adventures of the Super Teens from a Thousand Years in the Future ran through two monthly titles for the for most of this incarnation of the team, so most episodes of Reboot Review will Recap an issue each of Legion of Superheroes and Legionnaires. This time out, I'll be having a look at Legion of Superheroes number 72 and Legionnaires number 29, both cover dated September 1995. So LSH 72 kicks off the second year of the reboot Legion's existence and serves as a kind of... Kind of an epilogue to the team's epic battle with the racist terrorist group, the White Triangle. It also marks a change in in the creative team. Writer Mark Wade had helped launch this version of the team out of the company-wide crossover event Zero Hour, and had helped craft the team's adventures, co-plotting and scripting the uh, Legion of Superheroes title. But after getting the Legion off to a good start, Wade moved on, continuing his excellent run on The Flash and devoting time to the crazy number of other titles he was writing at the time, including Impulse, Captain America, and a little prestige number called Kingdom Come. The Legion books were left in the capable hands of co-plotter and colorist Tom McCraw, co-plotter and scripter Tom Pyre, and the editorial team of Mike McAvinney and Casey Carlson, all of whom uh, had been around pretty much since the reboot's inception. So this first McCraw-Pyre story in this title is called Absent Friends, and it's drawn by Lee Motor and Ron Boyd, the regular illustration team on the book, and is lettered by Pat Brousseau. We're also treated to another Alan Davis-Mark Farmer stunner of a cover, as a morning cosmic boy stands beneath the statues of fallen legionnaires. So the issue begins with a eulogy by Legion founder and benefactor, R.J. Brand. For those lost during the brutal battle with the White Triangle, this eulogy is delivered to the assembled members of the Legion, the Heroes for Hire workforce, and various members of the Science Police and United Planets delegates. Most despondent in the crowd are Ambassador Winnemawazo, and the Workforce's Ultra Boy, who were closest to Legionnaire Apparition, who lost her life during this conflict. The crowd is assembled in a public square outside Legion headquarters, and before three gleaming golden statues erected to Legionnaire's Fallen in Battle. The three statues represent Apparition, Kid Quantum, the first Legion casualty, And there's also a statue of Andromeda, whom the galaxy thinks is dead, but uh, very few, including Cosmic Boy, United Planets President Chu, and we readers, we know she's actually imprisoned on an asteroid called Planet Hell, due to her involvement with the White Triangle. And the President has thought it's in the best interest of the United Planets uh, to believe Andromeda dead rather than know her as a Legion traitor. Now, following R.J. Brand's remarks, the Legionnaires talk among themselves and to those gathered. Kazungpoi puts on a brave face to talk to the press, but uh, when he's asked if the Legion is a death trap for kids, he uh, he moves on to console apparition's boyfriend Ultra Boy. Ultra Boy feels uh, he didn't deserve his relationship with Tinya, but now, posthumously, he, he wants to earn earn it. With an earshot of rich creep Leland Macaulay, workforce creator and a kind of a Donald Trump of the late 30th century. Joe tells Kaz that he's quitting the team. This enrages Macaulay, but. Kaz immediately threatens that the Legion's law team should Macaulay object. This exchange is interrupted by the UP delegate from the planet Aleph, homeworld of Legionnaire Kinetics, who has been on leave since losing her telekinetic powers. Apparently, Zoe has gone missing and the delegate wants some answers, none of which Kazupoi has. And it's one thing after another as Winemawazo interrupts this conversation, vowing to shut down the Legion before it kills any more children, she says. She completely breaks down and is led away by an aide who says her husband has been located and he'll be home shortly. This gathering, this wake, which is in a, a way what it is, provides for some pretty interesting character moments. Jan Ara, the sole survivor of the planet Trom, is puzzled at how hard everyone's taking the deaths He reveals to R.J. Brand that he's envious of his people. They've all transmuted to the next state, an opportunity that Traumites spend their entire lives looking forward to. He tells Brand uh, he's going back to his, his now desolate world. Triad tells Violet how much she'll miss Apparition, and Vi wonders who, if anyone, will miss Andromeda. We get a clue to that question on the next page as the only legionnaire not in attendance in the plaza, Brainiac 5, in a rare physical outburst, smashes a console in his lab. Brainy's attraction to Andromeda had been hinted at in the past, but he also designed the anti-lead serum, which was to have protected Laurel. So while I think we're correctly led to believe that Brainy's lashing out in grief, there may be a tiny hint of Of failure in this private outburst. Back in the plaza, the series of interruptions continues. Leviathan, Invisible Kid, and Chameleon are speaking. When the group is approached by one of Chameleon's people, a hooded Durlin, who bows before Cam, this seems to make Cam very uncomfortable. Invisible Kid takes the opportunity to escort Leviathan away. but Cam and his visitor are interrupted again by a hand on Cam's shoulder and a voice that says, Son? His voice and hand belong to R.J. Brand, and this panel's a little little tease for Legion fans, as in a, in a previous reality, Cam was R.J. Brand's son. Not the case here, and in this version of the 30th century, in fact, Brand is uh, offering his condolences as Cam's father had recently been murdered. By the Legion Foe the Composite Man. President Chu, in a now lengthy series of interruptions, interrupts a conversation between Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl. She sees the opportunity for a photo-op with the pair and the delegates from their respective homeworlds. Until recently, Brawl, where Cosmic Boy is from, and Titan, where Imra comes from, had been at odds, but In a way, this is part of why the Legion was created, to show that people from different planets can work closely together. So Imra and Kaz, they play along for the camera, but they continue their conversation telepathically. Imra thinks that she's been picking up some pretty intense depression from members of the team, and some consider their efforts with the Legion pointless. Team leader Kaz doesn't like this, and immediately ends the photo shoot, calling a team meeting. And this doesn't sit well with the president. In the Legion's meeting room, Kaz attempts to inspire his team, saying that despite the despite the odds, despite the great loss of life, the Legion, they, they won. They, they beat back a great evil, and he's proud of the team and their allies. His little speech seems to work, but um, the meeting is interrupted by President Chu, who accuses Kaz of making a fool of her in front of the press and the delegation. She says that the U.P. is wary of the Legion now, and they pretty much just walked out on their their few remaining friends. She tells Kaz she's shortening the leash on the team, and she re-fires Livewire, who had been previously reinstated by Cosmic Boy, as Legion rules prevent two members from the same world, and his Livewire's twin sister, Spark, is the official appointed member from the planet, Wynneth. This is kind of setting up a bureaucratic tug-of-war that the team will be caught in, and it sucks for them, but it's actually one of the things that I think stands out about this version of the team. They truly feel like part of a a well-developed future society, part of the fabric of a a well-thought-out future environment, and very well how the relationship between a government and a team of superheroes would actually behave. The Legion and the U.P. work hand-in-hand, hand, not just when it's convenient for any given story. So the Legion's bureaucratic troubles are interrupted by a, a meanwhile. So Meanwhile, at the lab facility of Morgana Industries, an energy developer, a couple of lab techs are surprised to find the recently fired Dr. Regulus rifling through some, some of the equipment. When they call him on it and threaten to call security, Regulus dons a special glove and kills the pair with a blast each through the chest. Meanwhile, he monologues that he's suffered enough at the hands of Mr. Morgana, the company's CEO. Regulus has had a, had everything taken from him, his ideas, his livelihood, and today he's taking something of Morgana's, as we see a, another body partially hidden by shadow on the floor, among some of uh, Regulus's equipment. Back at Legion HQ, a suddenly overwhelmed Kazakh boy is, is petitioned remotely by Brainiac for a leave of absence. This is denied, though Kaz thinks to himself he could easily ease Braini's troubles if he could just reveal that Andromeda is alive, but her imprisonment is a secret that he's sworn to keep. Saturn Girl, Livewire enters office. Imra saying they need to talk about Kaz's failure to stick up for Garth when the president with the president earlier. Boy here uncharacteristically lashes out, forcing Imra back magnetically. This of course doesn't sit well with Garth, who brings the roof down with some lightning. This little altercation brings other members of the team to investigate, but Garth decides to leave, and the others are. Again, forced out by Kaz with his powers, and he's left to deal with the stress of Legion leadership in a completely wrecked office, alone. So this issue, despite having virtually no action, uh, is pretty successful, full of nice character-building moments, although what's up with the Cosmic Boy? His behavior is entirely out of character. The burden of leadership seems to really be starting to weigh on the poor guy. And this issue sets up the Legion's immediate next adventure with this Regulus guy. On the last page, readers are invited in Legionnaires number 29 to witness the birth of a son. And that's where we're headed next.
1: Hi, I'm Kyle Benning, and I love comics. In fact, I love them so much that I ramble on about them on a number of podcasts all on one feed, found of the King Size Comics Giant Size Fun banner. I talk about comics with extra page counts, like Treasury Comics, Prestige Format Books, DC's Dollar Comics, Marvel's Giant Size Specials and King Size Daniels, and much, much more. I also love to talk about DC's Christ on Multiple Earth crossovers, free comics from special promos, free comic book day, Star Wars, my life as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, random comic book back issues, and many other elements of geek culture that happen to strike my fancy. There's new content usually dropping at least once a week, and it's all found on one feed. You can subscribe via iTunes. Just search for King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun in the iTunes store or podcast app on your iPhone. Otherwise, you can follow the podcast at the King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun blog headquarters, available at www.kingsizecomicsgiantsizefun.blogspot.com. That's all one word, King Size Comics, Giant Size Or follow on Facebook by simply searching for King Size Comics Giant Size Fun. So for snappy review and discussions on comics, new and old, usually done from the front seat of my car or my lunch break at work, check out King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun.
0: So in Legionnaires Number Twenty-Nine, we find a story called Rising Sun, co-plotted and scripted by Tom Pyre, co-plotted and colored by Tom McCraw illustrated by the rock-steady team of Jeffrey Moy and W.C. Karani, who also provided the cover. Pat Brousseau does the lettering with McAveney and Carlson editing. So we open at Morgana Industries as a squad of science police officers respond to a hostage situation. Dr. Zaxton Regulus is demanding half a billion credits in gold. Bullion. On the scene, owner Derek Morgna explains that Regulus was fired and he. that Regulus wants the gold probably to continue his odd experiments. Squad exclaims that they don't make deals and they storm the lab. Inside, Regulus, with at least two murders on his hands, monitors the situation outside outfitted in a distinctive golden armor. A really cool redesign for this old Legion villain. Uh, He looks as threatening as ever. Kind of insectoid and almost feminine, but uh, instantly recognizable as Regulus, and I guess the the coloring helps with that. This is a nice-looking update to what was originally a kind of clunky-looking costume. Well, he steps out and uh, flash-fries the approaching science police officers and threatens that if there's another attempt to storm the lab, the same thing will happen to Morgana's son, Dirk. At Legion HQ, Cosmic Boy is still acting a bit uh, dickish and proves it by kicking the still despondent Ultra Boy out of the team's rec room despite inviting Joe to join the team last issue, which that invitation was not... ...officially accepted, Cosmic Boy cites regulations that Legion facilities are for accepted members only. Rules is rules. This is witnessed by Triad, who claims Cos is now in the UP president's pocket. Cosmic Boy seemingly confirms this point by immediately taking a future Skype call from President Chu, who wants the team to help out her friend, Derek Morgna, with a little situation. Meanwhile, Livewire prepares to again take up the search for his and Sparks' missing brother, and he asks Isla along. But just then, Cosmic Voice is heard through Isla's flight ring. He's assembling the troops. Isla immediately responds, leaving Garth quite alone. Next, a quite angry Cosmic Boy approaches the sealed laboratory of Brainiac 5, who's been apart from the denied request for leave of absence, completely incommunicado since Andromeda's quote-unquote death. Kaz uses his magnetic power to rip through the lab's doors only to find it empty. When Kaz storms out, we see Brainiac phase in, holding a frosty mug of lager which he, from which he takes a sip, and he promptly spits out... <laughs> This is a neat little crossover with, of all titles, Guy Gardner Warrior. In that title, around this time, Guy was opening his superhero-themed bar-slash-restaurant Warriors, and the grand opening in issue number 29 included cameos from dozens of characters. Artist Phil Jimenez was definitely consulting his copy of Who's Who that month. Anyway, Brainy was the Legion's representative at the Warriors party. He blipped in, was handed a mug of Warrior Wiser, and he immediately blipped out. Now here, a couple months later, we see that short time travel trip from Brainy's perspective. It's cute. Next, we briefly check in with Jan Ara, who has made his way back home to the desolate world of Trom, where he's transforming the remains of each of Trom's dead into a crystalline monument. And where he's enjoying his solitude, but is he alone? Hmm. So we see a shadow of what looks like to be a silhouette on the gray landscape. Back at Morgna Industries, Regulus injects young Dirk Morgna in the forehead. Gross, and ouch. With radioactive liquid gold. This is an experiment Regulus is conducting. You see, he wishes for the power of a sun, and he thinks his gold serum might do it. But young Dirk is the guinea pig. If he gains sun powers, what are the chances of that? Regulus will end up injecting himself with the serum. If Dirk dies, then, oh well, that'll be his revenge for being fired. Regulus has a little flashback, and we see that Regulus blames dirk for distracting him at some experiment's critical moment which caused an explosion which caused directly caused uh, regulus to lose his job or at least was the final straw regulus throws dirk into some sort of chamber and presses a button which releases some crackling energy just as a giant hand boom, bursts through the wall and grabs hold of regulus Leviathan and a team of Legionnaires in this case Spark, Excess and Saturn Girl Regulus causes his armor to heat up which forces Gim to release him the rest of the team jumps into action with Saturn Girl assuming the leadership role which at first doesn't sit well with with Gim Saturn Girl telepathically transmits a plan to the others first Leviathan lassos Regulus with a metal cable In excess, at super speed, douses the villain in liquid nitrogen, while Spark uses the conductive cable to give Regulus a jolt of lightning. This causes his armor to become brittle and crack. In desperation, Regulus fires a bolt, destroying the line of coolant entering Dirk Morgana's chamber. This causes the chamber to heat up and explode. In the explosion, Saturn Girl has a vision of a phantom like being reaching out to her, screaming, Help me to which she calls out Valor, just as she's yanked away by excess. Now, this is the second time she's seen or thought she's seen the mythic godlike figure of the Cedar of Worlds, who she says has been dead for a thousand years. But has he? Hmm. In the meantime, it dawns on everyone that they should maybe check on Dirk Morgna, though it seems improbable that he could have survived that explosion. Just as Morgna's father, who's now on the scene, is about to break down, they all hear a voice and see a bright light emanate from the remains of the chamber. It's Dirk's voice, but whatever he is now, it's too bright to behold. Just then, the bad penny called Regulus turns up again, though his armor is melted all around him. He lashes out at Derek Morgna, burning his arm. Then the fiery hand of what was What was Dirk Morgna sends a bolt pew, towards Regulus, blinding him. Dirk says he won't let Regulus hurt anyone again, but it's still too bright for anyone to lay eyes on. Dirk approaches the group, Pleading, What's happening to me? And we, the readers, are allowed a tiny glimpse of the fire being that was once Dirk Morkna. So yeah, Dirk was a pretty big part of Legion Continuity's past, serving as longtime member Sunboy, but that wouldn't be the case in the reboot. At the risk of spoilers, despite this origin story, which follows pretty closely with the old Silver Age Story. Reboot Dirk would remain pretty much on the sidelines of Legion Adventures to come. Obviously, this is a direction for the character mapped out by the creative teams of these two series, but I've often thought of Dirk's marginalization <laughs> out of the spotlight in the 90s as a kind of penance for the character's sins of the past. In previous continuity, Dirk retired from the Legion, allowed himself to be corrupted in the world of EarthGov politics, and made some pretty bad choices. It didn't end well for Sunboy in what's called the Five Years Later run, Uh, though it did make for some pretty compelling storytelling. And in a way, I imagine Dirk is earning his way back to herohood Throughout this incarnation. Alright, that will do it for Legion Comics. Cover dated September 1995. Please check out previous reboot reviews on iTunes if you are so moved, or on the blog, iamethgun.blogspot.com, where I'll put up some images from these issues. Okay, thanks for listening, and until next we meet, LOL, live on Legion.